0: Hi there guys, and welcome to today's live stream. We're gonna be having a session on the whiteboard today all about spondylolisthesis, what they are, how they're working, the different variations of those. And also at the end of the live stream, we're gonna be going through some tips. If you've got this, how you should approach your rehab. And then as always, we've got Lara the other side of the camera. We're gonna be going through the Q and A at the end of the live stream. So if you've got your questions on this topic or anything related to back pain, then post those in the comments below uh, because we'll address those questions as we get to the end of the live stream. If you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing, hit the notification bell. Um, That allows you to stay up to date when we go live. We go live every single weekday and some exciting announcements coming tomorrow. We'll be doing our first or starting our first giveaway. So you'll definitely wanna stay tuned for that one. That'll be tomorrow morning, I think around about 8.45. So with that being said, let's get into today's live stream. Okay, so uh, I've got the spine here today. We're gonna be talking about this spondylolisthesis and I'm gonna spend most of my time uh, with you guys on the whiteboard today to talk through this particular topic. Uh, it's, it's something that some people really you know have and don't understand, others have a kind of idea uh, around it, but then it raises all sorts of complications around the rehabilitation as well. So we're going to hope, hopefully help you guys better understand it um, and then understand what you can do and how you can tweak certain aspects of your rehab, understand what exercises and specific movements we should really try to avoid to make sure that we don't make things worse. So that's really, really important. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about uh, imaging uh, briefly as well, just from sort of uh, personal experience, seeing patients with these sorts of things and their relationship to uh, disc-related injuries and stenosis. So uh, we'll get into that in a moment. First, I want to just point you out, the most common area that we get these spondylolysthesis, they will also be termed on an MRI report, anterolysthesis, which means it shifts forwards. Um, They do sometimes refer to retrolysthesis, which means the the vertebra shift backwards. I'm not going to get into those too much because it's all relative something must have then slipped forwards in order for something else to slip backwards relative to it. So we're going to focus much more on the anterolysthesis uh, version of the spondylolysthesis. And it's a bit of a mouthful, so sorry if I'm saying that word a good number of times here today. The first thing I want to make you aware of is it generally occurs at L5S1 or l 45 5 maybe secondarily. But what we can see at the back here is we've got our spine and obviously we know that it should have a nice smooth curve going through it and that allows to weight bear effectively, etc but there will be shearing forces going from from this way this way through as we can see on the board here these shearing forces that go through the spine on a daily basis and we've got a lot of ligaments around here etc but the the facing of these facet joints here the way they sit against one another is like that and that stops them going forwards, it stops the vertebra sliding forwards because of the position they're in. But under sustained stress, or maybe with if, if there are some anomalies in the structure, this can then um, start to be overwhelmed and lead to spondylolysis. So just have that in the back of your mind when we're going through this. Now it's also worth just touching on the fact that this can occur in the neck as well, but it's uh, a little bit less common. It tends to be more of a degenerative, uh, degenerative in nature rather than anything more sinister when we're talking about fractures or anything like that. So uh, when I'm talking about the degenerative form over here, if you've got this in your neck as well, then this will help you understand it a little bit more. So the good news is when they're degenerative, they tend to be a little bit more stable because it's just that slow um, sliding forwards over time that's leading to arthritic change. But we'll get into that later. So first thing we wanna understand is the structure the normal structure of your spine and um, this is sort of a, a, my artists interpretation of the vertebra so we've got the bone on top we've got the bone underneath we've got the disc in the middle this little circle here is the nerve and then we've got the facets put in that position just to kind of demonstrate what they should approximately look like and they stop that shear now here we've got the, we're sort of representing the actual vertebra in the context of the spondylolisthesis. Now the spondylolisthesis is graded level one to level four and it, there's a very good chance if you're watching this video you're not level four or level three and highly unlikely that you're level two. Most people with some degree of spondylolisthesis probably watching this video are going to be grade one or less. Um, so it's important to bear that in mind. Now grade one is when the top vertebra shifts forwards one quarter Grade two is when it shifts towards one half, so it comes over to here, so it looks something like that, and then grade three and four is three quarters and then all the way. Um, over, over the course of time, it's very, very rare that you see anything like grade four. I've seen a few three and a halfs over the years, uh, but, but generally those sorts of patients are severe trauma, you know you've done it, and something, something more sinister has happened, so it's highly unlikely um, that you've got that grade, but it, your MRI will detail that anyway but the thing I want you guys to really pay attention to because these sorts of spondylolisthesis, they're a failure of two things. Number one, they're a failure of compression. They're very, very commonly associated with a bulging disc or disc herniation or something like that. But these injuries are failure of that compression and shearing. And, and it's, it's failure to deal with those forces simultaneously that creates the trouble. And we can then result in two forms of stenosis. The stenosis is the narrowing of the hole. So pay attention. I've, I've highlighted the hole, so to speak, where the nerves come out here uh, in, the, in the red. And we've highlighted it again down here in these two variations. But that space where this little nerve comes out, gets affected. The other thing to bear in mind is looking top down, the spinal cord, the journey it will have to travel as well as it's coming down through here, will also potentially be affected, which is why if we don't know these things are going on, it can give you some rather peculiar symptoms from time to time. But again, the the, the more serious variations, grade uh, three and four, uh, 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 are much less likely that you're suffering with those. So if we start off with the lytic or defect variation, Now this is the one whereby uh, when we're growing, when we're developing, if we go back to the original drawing here, we start off with a cartilaginous structure when we're a child and when we're uh, developing in utero. And what happens is through through our teenage years and our childhood years, these cartilage structures are turning into bone. And for whatever reason, during that developmental process, as this is developing into bone and this is developing into bone, the two areas of bone meet at a point around about here, which is called the pars interarticularis. You don't need to remember that, but it's a point around about there, somewhere in here or just in the front here. If I draw it on here like that, you guys can see that little line just in and around there. And what's happened here is that the bone hasn't become continuous. There's a little cartilage line down there, which is connecting the two islands of bone, and we know that the bone is going to be a lot stronger, and continuous bone is going to be a lot stronger than having this cartilaginous weakness point in there. And that's when you get on your MRI a PARS defect or PARS interarticularis defect, and that leads to vulnerability in this region here. So when we have repetitive stress, etc., on the spine over an extended period of time especially with these shearing forces and this is usually usually, accompanied by sticking the bum out and being in that position too much anterior pelvic tilt proper anterior pelvic tilt and we've discussed that in other videos uh, with regards to the alignment as, as we stick the bum out we create much more shearing forces down through here. You can see how gravity is really creating a lot of shearing, driving this down through there uh, to create a lot of pressure on these little facet joints here, as we mentioned. And if there is a weak point at at this point here, it's going to allow it to shear forwards. And that is when this sort of thing starts to happen and we get that spondylolisthesis starting to occur. Now, interestingly enough, this will quite often, in my opinion, be an incidental finding. If you've got the defect, you will have had it more or less since your middle middle teenage years. And it may well slowly be moving, but it creates a vulnerability. And like many of these things, patients find out them when they've injured themselves. Maybe you've done a silly movement or uh, you know, uh, some sort of fall or knock or anything like that or a repetitive strain on the area and it's created inflammation. But then the fact that this is there becomes a barrier to recovery. It was already there before you had pain, but you've now flared it up and now it's more difficult to uh, deal with the underlying situation because we've got that extra degree of vulnerability in our back, that extra degree of mobility excess mobility in an area that we should have a good degree of stability so that's very important i say it's like if you had a waiter carrying lots of drinks if they're walking around on on the ground on their shoes then if you knock them they might be able to carry that tray and not spill any glasses but if they're roller skating around on one leg and you knock them all of a sudden what looked like a very composed waiter all the glasses go flying all over the place and it's difficult to pick them up so a lot of people will be managing with these Uh, and then they have an injury that then they struggle to recover from. But the implication of that is as this vertebra slides forwards, I've drawn on here, and I haven't really drawn the disc too much, but you can already see what's happening to the space where the nerves come out of, and this is what leads to that stenosis, a changing of the bony canal. So we've got two holes that are on top of one another like that. Uh, There we go and then that one's shifting forwards. you can see how that small hole gets a little bit smaller and now that occupies, that creates smaller space. And when this occurs in conjunction with an injury, we get a lot of inflammation. I put inflammation and swelling down here. That's gonna start to fill this space as well, excess inflammation. Plus what we normally get is a degree of bulging from the disc as well to further encroach upon this. And I'll use this opportunity to touch briefly on MRIs This is why I really struggle with MRIs as being useful from the point of view of helping patients with rehabilitation. Because if this is a a mobile spondylolisthesis, when you lie down on your back, quite often they can just bump back into place. And this normally happens with sort of grade half to one, they might pop back into place. So you go to the MRI and they say, you've got a disc problem, we're gonna do these things to help you. But then when you get a standing up x-ray, you realize, wait a second, there's something more going on here this vertebra actually slides forwards and now we know we've got a spondylolisthesis and something that's a little bit less stable. So we need to take that into consideration when we're recommending to to you guys as patients or as people do in our rehab programs, you need to appreciate that there's a little bit more work. It's gonna be a little bit of a longer process to provide stability back to this region of abnormal levels of, of mobility. So very, very important one and why I really do look at standing up x-rays as being so much more useful for accurately assessing these sorts of things. The spine is a load-bearing structure. That's how it is is, is used on a daily basis and that's generally where it fails. It fails in load-bearing. So I've used the example before, if I was trying to look for a hole in this cup, I'm going to find it much easier when it's load bearing with water in it than if the the cup is empty. I'm not really going to find where the leak is. So that's an important one. Now over a period of time, this one doesn't tend to affect the facets as much. If we move over to the degenerative type, this is the one where it does. So if we've got excessive forces, as we mentioned earlier, shearing at this particular segment for a long period of time, and this is the variation that tends to happen in the neck as well, then that's going to bang those facets, grind those facets for extended periods of time and wear down the cartilage surface that was separating them, like up here. And what we then start to see is this process occurring. We see a different kind of stenosis, a different picture here. Now this will normally be accompanied by a degree of disc bulging, which I haven't drawn out too much on the image here, but we also get these osteophytes starting to form around the facet joints as they compress and slide and shear forwards and there's a bit of deformation to the bone. This variation is going to be a lot more stable in reality but if you irritate the area, if you have a minor strain to this area, maybe we've done some gardening or we've loaded the dishwasher and we've you know been knocked by the dog for example while we're putting a plate at the back of the dishwasher then we can tweak some of the soft tissues around here and if you look at the space the red space that we compared at the very start it's a lot lot smaller so what we find with these conditions or these this state of affairs is that the patient will maybe get what we would what, what I would call a more insignificant injury something that This guy here would just shake off and, and, you know, I'm a bit sore for today and then I'm fine tomorrow because we heal nicely. But in this scenario, because there's such a smaller space, the small degree of inflammation that builds up that may not bother this person creates a lot more trouble in this individual here. And that's why symptoms can be more, more severe. Maybe we immediately get that shooting pain down the leg because it's providing significant irritation of the sciatic roots or maybe we get much more intense back pain as a result of this because there's just less space here think about your ankle if you sprain it how much a relatively minor ankle sprain can really swell that ankle it's a response to a soft tissue injury well that's happening except here it's happening in a enclosed space which is why you know you you go to you go to your doctor or your gp or whoever or your chiro or osteo um, maybe not the latter two but they may prescribe you some anti inflammatory to try and calm this down because it's that excess inflammation that is really creating trouble here but it's not dealing with the underlying issue we need to we need to figure out what, what exactly is going on and, and, and do the necessary rehab. So that's pretty much it from a point of view of what is going on in a the spondylolisthesis. There are a few things I really want to make you guys aware of that, are, that you really want to be avoiding if you have a spondylolisthesis because this is really, really important. It doesn't matter to a degree which one you have, whether it's the lytic variation or the degenerative variation or a mix of both because sometimes you can have this on one side. Say for example, you have it on one side here, but this side is actually normal. And what'll happen is this side will slip like that and result in this side getting the degenerative form, which can create a twist through the spine. So these things can get a little bit more complicated, but we really want to be avoiding extension movements. So that's going to be that sort of movement, really pushing backwards. Um, So those are going to be movements like the cobra. I've put yoga here because some of the movements in yoga are Including the, including the Cobra. So we just want to be much more careful, I've put, when we're doing yoga exercises. And if you're someone who's part of our Back and Shape membership site and you're going through the phases, phase one, phase two, phase three, I'd probably just leave that out for the time being, especially if you've got a spondylolisthesis and I'd question why are we doing yoga? Are we doing it for the meditation purposes? Then maybe choose something else that, that fits that bill. But we want to be very careful about those extension-based movements. Now, you might be thinking, I thought I'd just cover the towel first. Well, what about the towel? That's a very important question. We we do wanna be cautious when we're doing the towel. So what we generally recommend is, remember, we've got two issues here. We've got the shearing, but we've also got the compression, which irritates the disc. Now when we're using the rolled up towel, the rolled up towel is large, it's a large applicator and your knees are bent up like like you guys know you've seen the video most likely if you're watching this there'll be a card somewhere around here that you can click uh, that side that you can click at some point during this video and you'll, you'll learn more about the backing shape program but when we're using this towel it's straight on the spine here and it's not pressing on one vertebra it's not pressing on that spondylolisthesis it's broadly applying through the whole thing which is going to get that gentle stretch through here and open out the disc spaces and create um, the decompression effect through the whole spine it's not focused to that l5s one it's not like it's pushing this one pushing that forwards like that. It's not specific enough to do that. So you can rest assured that that will be okay, but I would always suggest if you are someone who's got this condition, be it degenerative or otherwise, that you tentatively try the towel for around about 20 to 30 seconds to start with, and do that over a couple of days and slowly build it up to the three to five minutes because most people do find it a reasonably uncomfortable to start with and, and if you've done the towel and you're watching this right now maybe you do have spondylolisthesis then post in the comments below just to let others know that you've tried the towel and that actually it is normal to experience a bit of discomfort to start with i know some of the guys in the membership area talk about this quite a bit in terms of the fact that it was so so uncomfortable to start with but now it's a lot better so if you've got spondylolisthesis do ease yourself into this particular exercise but it can helps so much with the compression because like I said in the outset of this video these sorts of conditions so frequently co-occur with disc injuries of some description whether it's degenerative or whether it's lytic or the defect that the towel exercise is just so good for those so it's really really important now when we're going with the rehab, we want to decrease loading, which is why we recommend you guys the towel. We want to avoid forward bending, anything that's further going to shear that vertebra, that's really, really important because we ultimately want to decrease the vulnerability of your spine, but increase your general movement and mobility, not of this. That's very important. So we want to provide more support for the spine and that's where our rehab stuff goes. That's where we're getting you doing those sensible back and shake protocols, where we're engaging the core. That phase one uh, exercises, where we're learning to reengage the core the core set, to provide stability to our spine, that's really, really important. We wanna watch out when we're doing things like the hip flexor stretches. Those hip flexor stretches, we can arch our back too much when we do those if we're not careful, which is why we talk about it in the videos to make sure that you guys know when you're doing that hip flexor stretch, not to arch your back, especially if you've got a spondylolisthesis. And then when we move on to what we call phase two, some of those exercises, there's going to be the risk if you do them incorrectly, that you with a spondylolisthesis might get that happening which we do not want. And I wanna stress this one last time that the exercises in the Back and shake Protocol, they're built around people with these sorts of conditions, with disc injuries, with herniated discs, bulging discs, with general arthritis in the spine. And when they're done correctly, there are no problems with them. But if we don't get that proper engagement through here to provide stability and protection, particularly in this region, which is where the L5-S1 is on the back. And if we don't do those correctly, if we allow our stomach to disengage when we're doing things like the dead bugs or the marching bridges or the squats or the other exercises in phase three, if we don't allow, if we don't keep everything engaged, then you as someone with a spondiocesis will be more vulnerable. It's important. Nothing is. Nothing is. None of the exercises in there are bad, and there are many exercises that are a little bit more challenging. But as long as you build them up slowly, if you've got a spondylolisthesis, take your time. Recognise that the structure, as you can see on the board quite clearly, the structure is rather different to what it should be. So it's something that you need to work with. Be very careful and focus around your technique. And that way you'll be able to rehab properly and deal with this condition effectively because we've had patients, numerous patients over the years, both at the Mayfair clinic and in my experience before that, where they've had these sorts of conditions and when they go through the process correctly, When they go through the rehab correctly and when they relearn some of these bad movement patterns for everyday life like gardening like loading the dishwasher etc when they relearn those correctly they will do an awful lot better in the long term so that's a really really important one it's a condition that can bother a lot of people but if we go through the rehab and understand what it is and what it means for our body and then feel comfortable in a plan of action that we understand there are some risk factors but we can mitigate those by doing correct technique we're going to do very very well so with that We'll go into Q and A. If okay, you've got any brilliant. questions, I'll just switch the mic over. Yep.
1: Brilliant. Um, good morning, everybody. Okay, before I deep dive into all of the questions that we've got, would you mind just running through, um, just running through some of the symptoms that patients with a spondylolisthesis might <clears throat> might be feeling?
0: Yeah, I mean the symptoms are going to be the same. <clears throat> Helps if you don't breathe in the water. <laughs> uh, the symptoms are going to be the same as any back injury. Um, you know, at the end of the day. It's going to be possibly some strap-like stiffness across here. Could be going into the glutes a little bit. With these sorts of issues, it's worth noting it commonly occurs at the L5S1. The TL functions very similarly. So what some people will get is a little bit of discomfort and stiffness a little bit higher up. um, And that's sort of compensatory more than anything else. It's not a direct consequence. Uh, we're going to get uh, possibly some radiating pain down into the legs. Um, if it's an L5S1, it might go into the big toe. Um, we can get the sciatica; It can go down the back of the hamstrings. It can go all the way down the leg. Uh, it could go from one side to the other. It could swap sides, uh, different episodes. You may have had it for five years. It's on been on the left-hand side, and then it's switched back over to the right-hand side. All of these different... Um, variations of back pain essentially it's something that there's an injury in your lower back and it's going to give you the symptoms of associated with back pain so back pain or sciatica it'll be very similar as disc pain essentially it's the inflammation and the compression of those nerves that is what goes back to your brain and tells you you're in pain it kind of doesn't really matter whether it is a specific disc bulge or whether it is a sciatica those same can sorry whether it's a dyspulge or whether it's a thesis both of those can result in sciatica. Both of those cannot result in sciatica. Both of those injuries could be asymptomatic for a period of time because they're not sufficient and there's not enough inflammation in that area. Both of those could swap sides, and both of those could give you a little bit of glute pain, a little bit of pain in the back of the thigh. People get a little bit too caught up on the specific, my specific pain is in the big toe, you can't treat it the same as where if it's going down the back of the leg and not in the big toe, and that's not correct. And I used the example um, with some guys on the, uh, on the virtual consultation calls yesterday. Um, if I use the example of like a cut on my hand, in fact, let's draw it out on the board. Um, if we've got a little cut on the hand, okay, if you do a funny movement and you tear this bit of the scab here or you tear this bit of the scab here, the pus, the inflammation, the bit of bleeding and weeping is going to happen in this region here or this region here. Okay, because that's the injury if we've got the nerve that goes down the leg there it's going to irritate that nerve if we've got the nerve that goes to the big toe there it's going to irritate that nerve now that injury is the same it's no different we don't treat it differently because the scab is picked off on this side instead of this side. We still need to treat it the same. It's the same area, but it can result in different symptoms. And I think people get caught up a little bit too much on that. We need to understand where the injury is. Your body is gonna go through the natural healing process trying to heal it. But we need to work on getting proper movement so we stop picking the scab. And if we stop picking the scab, it's gonna go through that normal healing process it's gonna be less scar tissue and we're gonna result with a body that is stronger, protected and something that's healed well with minimal scar tissue so that's quite an important one uh, in terms of symptoms you can get a variety of symptoms um, but once we know that it's that area that's injured that's what we need to treat
1: okay brilliant um, this is quite a detailed one this morning so guys please do continue yeah. with your questions because we do want to help as much as you um as much <laughs> of you as possible okay so many let's, let's get straight to it um so alex has said are there any non-surgical approaches to treating osteophyte spurs and ligament thickening um he also goes on to say if the spondylolisthesis is mobile as opposed to fused uh would you be able to tell if it is mobile and can you uh, re-establish it into its neutral position
0: so uh, taking the last one first um you're not really going to be changing the position here um, you're not going to be moving that vertebra back, et cetera, because we, fundamentally we can't really move them back because in order to move them back, you'd have to come around to the front and poke it back. So we can't really do that. As for the bony spurs, the, the main thing you're going to be doing from that point of view is they would go in and they sort of shave them off. But the, the reality is... Again, it's the soft tissues that are injured that are creating that inflammation unless the nerve is directly rubbing and abrazing on that particular part of bony soft, bony tissue. There's a very good chance if your symptoms are fluctuating on a daily basis, maybe you have some pain now but some pain uh, but, but the pain goes at times, then there's a very good chance it's not the bony spurs that are causing the pain because the bony spurs are always there the same thing with the ligamental thickening it's commonly ligament and flavum that thickens because it's kind of under more stress so it hypertrophies which means it grows it increases in response to that stress so if we can eliminate those stresses and, and reduce the level of inflammation around those structures especially if you find that symptoms do fluctuate maybe they go from a five to a seven or a five to a ten but they go back down to a five again there's a very good chance that it's not necessarily the bony spurs that are the primary problem and we can really get around those by just doing some solid rehab and stop injuring it in the short term medium term if it's mobile the main way you're going to find that is that that the image the alignment varies between lying down and standing up and you can see it shift forwards Um, if it is a degenerative spondylolisthesis they tend to be a lot less mobile they tend to be a lot more rusty so to speak it kind of just stuck in there because it's basically the, the impaction of the one joint we remember we mentioned these facet joints here it's the impaction of the one facet driving into the other that creates this issue here, as I mentioned when we went through the degenerative one. And that's really not gonna move so much. Once you've got all those bony spurs, especially if they start to connect, it tends to get a little bit fused. And the main objective here is stop injuring the soft tissues around there so they can be as healthy as possible and as free of scar tissue as possible. But I will say that once you've got a degenerative one, you're just more vulnerable, which is why the rehab side of things is so important, why I stress that so much to you guys, because if you can stop now this getting so injured, by really strengthening up the midsection, really focusing on correct movement patterns. Some people um, mistakenly and, and, and instinctively, but it, it's wrong, tuck their bum under. So, if we're tucking our bum under to try and, uh, you know, for whatever reason we're doing that, we're driving more pressure through the disc. So, we're gonna keep injuring this disc. And, and that's going to aggravate the underlying problem and create inflammation. So we have to be more mindful and get ourselves as m- close to possible to a neutral routine so that we can protect that from, from getting worse. I hope that's kind of answered that. If there's any clarification points, Alex, please do ask. <laughs>
1: okay, brilliant. Um, so Faye has uh, asked, good morning. My MRI says that I have a mild slash moderate spondylitic de- degenerative change they haven't given me a grade uh, the towel exercise is fine for me but is it fine is it still fine to lay on lay front on my arms resting um okay. resting on my forehead is, is the extension too much
0: yeah i i done i just double check because sometimes they might say spondylotic change Or spondylolytic change if it's spondylolytic or l-y-t-i-c then that indicates that they're talking a little bit more about that shearing about this one here and i would i would really be a little bit more hesitant to be lying on our tummies is spondylolytic yeah if it's that then um, the other one you don't need to worry as much about it because it's it's something slightly different um and but But I probably steer clear of lying on your front for too long because it is, especially if we've got any hip flexor tightness here, it is going to allow that bum to drop in. You might find it a little bit better to pop a pillow just underneath here, but I will stress that I I try and avoid that position for extended periods really um, more than anything else. That's really the short answer because there's other there's other variations because if you start putting the pillow underneath here which will make it more comfortable and allow that to rotate backwards we're then going to end up with another issue which is going to put pressure on the disc so I don't want to give you that guidance without knowing exactly where your alignment is. I'd probably say steer clear of it and try and avoid lying on your tummy for extended periods. Um, there's no reason you can't lie on your tummy for a few moments if it doesn't bother you but if it bothers you for a few moments then don't do it and I wouldn't be doing it for sort of um, sort 30-40 of minutes at a time Um, you are allowed to lie on your tummy by the way it's just not for extended periods (laughs) and that'd be 20 30 40 minutes
1: okay i'm just going to jump over to youtube Uh, blossom rose what a nice name um has said good morning i thank you so much for your thorough explanation technique is so much more important than repetition yeah so appreciate your work so no it really comment. is um
0: the, the the technique is so important when we've got these or other conditions i know some of the guys um in the membership have, have had surgeries in the past we get patients coming in they've got bolts in the spine um you know to hold these things together i didn't really touch on the surgical interventions for these sorts of things when they're really severe um, but sometimes you get bolts basically put in um, so a bolt here a bolt here and then screws that go in that hold the thing in place um, but even if you've got those if we've got any sort of abnormal structure the technique is just so important um, but quite often and this is the this is the the difficulty of it if you've gone so far as to need surgery or have something like this, it's quite often there are a lot of technique inefficiencies. Even in those that are very, very active, there's small discrepancies that start to add up in the way in which we choose to move, the way in which we've learned to move that are ineffective. And it's, it's a case of unlearning those and relearning the correct way and being somewhat OCD about the way in which we do these exercises to make sure that we're doing them correctly.
1: Okay, brilliant. I'm just going to go back to Facebook. Karen has asked, can you only get a spondylolisthesis if you have a pars defect?
0: No. Uh, so that would be the, you can get a fracture. Um, you can literally just fracture it, but that's going to be much more traumatic. You're going to know you've done that um, if, if it's a complete fracture and you haven't had a defect, a defect there in the first place. What, what, there are a few groups um, in my experience that seem to be quite vulnerable to this and they tend to be the uh, the dancing community. So it's going to be uh, the gymnasts, the ballet dancers uh, in particular, um, those that are doing from a young age a lot of hyper backwards bending, excessive backwards bending, doing things like the wheel and, and bridges, etc. They lend themselves to these sorts of conditions. Um, so you just want to be very, very cautious if you're in that sort of group. Um, that I always, I always... You know, whenever I get a patient that comes in with more severe low back pain and they're in their early 20s uh, or sometimes 30s because what happens is, is kind of they're either super super flexible and strong when they're doing those activities from like 3 through to 16, 18, 20 and then they stop like completely cold turkey and don't do anything for the next 5-10 years and then the back pain starts or they kind of slow they, they stop and then it slowly comes on uh, immediately so those groups I always think of.
1: Okay, awesome. Um, Joe on YouTube has asked, uh, will you always have some element of pain with the thesis, even if you do all of the right things with the rehab?
0: Um, I think it's really unlikely that you'll have always have some degree of of, of pain. Uh, very few people in existence have no pain all the time. Like there's always gonna be one, like my ankle right now is a little bit uncomfortable because I ran yesterday uh, just on the one side. My leg is a bit uncomfortable because it's pressing against the side. But in terms of sort of severe pain where you actually tell someone I am in pain, it hurts, I'm, I'm adjusting my movement patterns for this, then there's really not the need to have it for the long term. It's just a case of where are you starting? Some people will say, well, like if I can't fix it, in six weeks or in three weeks then there's no point well sometimes it's a case of undoing 30 40 years of bad work and that's not going to happen in a short period of time so um, i would say that if you follow these sorts of protocols and do these exercises diligently and make the changes outside um, of the rehab environment in terms of the way in which we move etc we're more diligent about the way in which we use our body there's really very little reason why these things should be persistent um, and and be a a long-term problem
1: Okay, brilliant. And some more. They will. Oh, sorry,
0: they will be a long-term problem. Yeah. But they won't be long-term symptomatic, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. Some more comments and questions coming through on Facebook. So Faye has said. Uh, so even with degenerative spondylitic change uh, spondylolytic change with good core rehab can you still be a very active person yes. doing lots of sport or is it the case of changing your lifestyle no
0: you, you've kind of hit it on the on the head really there um i mean there's certain things i would want anything could be bad i mean you could be you could be going up into the loft and fall out of the ladder you know and that's not gonna be good whether or not you've got a spondylolysthesis Um, There are certain sports I probably wouldn't recommend. I mean, going bungee jumping, is that necessarily the best idea? Probably not. But in terms of having these sorts of changes that that, it was Faye, right? Faye Faye. Faye, uh, described. um, There's no reason why you can't lead a normal life, but you must go through the necessary rehab beforehand. And especially maybe the younger people tend to be a little bit more impatient. Evaluate how long you've had this problem how long has maybe been building up or been an issue for, the extent, for an extended period of time. And take that into consideration when you're considering returning back to activities. And I know we discussed that yesterday on the live stream about that acronym that I made up, TREAT, uh, test, um, rest, evaluate, action if necessary, or adjust, and then test again. We want to slowly reincorporate these activities in the future, but I definitely wouldn't be doing any of that until we've passed phase three.
1: Okay, Uh, so this is super, uh, we've got, Alex Sparks saying I do get some tingling and pain down the buttocks when I do the phase one core exercises for the psoas muscle. This has is, this is developed, wasn't there at the start. On the right thigh particularly, any suggestions? I am a, a spondy. Uh, last known grade one and then Alex Vesco has replied to Alex also saying I had this as well Alex but now it has gone I imagine I've strengthened my core a little bit
0: yeah so one thing to be really mindful of with the psoas exercise as we're engaging that psoas we cannot and sometimes people do this as they engage the psoas they lose the core engagement so you press down onto that leg and that happens a little bit and that is probably where you're going wrong a little bit Alex Uh, make sure you're really really holding that core so the core engagement really nicely and then pressing in because if you lose it you're going to arch your back and that's going to irritate you and create a little bit of that tingly numbness uh, numbness pain. Um, so be very, very mindful of that. Uh, secondarily, if it's going a little bit sort of uh, burny or, or, or rubby on the thigh, that can also be that you're just engaging those muscles and the rectus femoris, one of the other muscles, is being involved and you're just getting a little bit tired. Be really cautious about that when you're doing the dead bugs as well because we've got to keep that core engaged. The same thing can happen if you lose the midsection engagement. If as, you, as your leg as you engage these muscles and you slowly lower them, if that happens and the tummy sticks out, then that's gonna be really bad for you. So you've gotta keep it in and on as we're doing the engagement so that the spine does not move. Sometimes placing a smaller rolled up towel, just like a hand towel, just in the back here to support it and, and give you that mental feedback so you can feel if you're coming off the towel. That can really help you as a little aid to make sure you're doing that particular exercise correctly.
1: Okay, brilliant. I think that is all the questions for today. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. Do you want to just, if there are any more questions, then just pop them in now. Do you want to just let everyone who maybe isn't involved in the Back in Shape program know how to get involved just in case they're watching this? uh... Yeah,
0: yeah. If if you're watching this uh, sort of for the first time and and you're not part of our Back in Shape membership, we've discussed a a few bits of that um, today. There'll be a card either up in this corner here somewhere or just underneath, uh, which you can click the link to that and, and learn a little bit more about the Back in Shape program essentially there to take you through uh, the appropriate rehabilitation process. But please, 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 we get a lot of people that skip the additional information and just jump straight into the exercises. And we can tell that by some of the questions that we sometimes get asked, that people maybe have skipped some um, some of the educational units. Because back pain isn't just about an injury, it's about a number of factors that have led to that injury developing and more importantly that have prevented that injury from recovering because our body heals, our body turns over, we're not the same person that we were a week or a month ago, literally. Our cells change, they divide, they replace everything and your body is constantly trying to heal. And it's how we're using our body on a daily basis that's in some of those additional lessons that really teach you guys the principles that are necessary to go in conjunction with those exercises. It's about, you do maybe that one hour's worth of exercise um, a day so if you're doing phase one or phase two uh, then it'll total about an hour maybe a touch longer than that but there's 168 hours in a week so how are you using the other 161 hours and that's where those additional units of information are are there to help you in those other 161 hours because you can do the right things during your exercises but if then we go straight back out you and we're down doing stuff like this, we're going to get in trouble. So, if you're interested in it, click the link underneath. If you're a, if you're an existing member and maybe you can't remember some of the stuff we've spoken about in some of those videos, then please do go over there and check them out. Watch those videos again. Did you have a question, Lara?
1: Um, well, just just last night that we put that we put the little uh, tutorial on how to use the. Uh the dashboard, yeah, um, and that's the first video that you will now see when you log into the Back of Shape program.
0: Yeah, if you're on the, if you're what, if you're looking at it on mobile, there's a little video now that you can just tap at the very top of the page that just shows you how to orientate yourself around the membership area to make sure you know what you're looking at. Okay, but um, um,
1: lots of positive feedback. Thank awesome, you so much thanks guys. So thank I'll so have a look at, at the comments we'll afterwards. Really
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, so if you're new to the channel do please consider subscribing. Hopefully you found this video really helpful. And if you know someone else who's got spondylolisthesis or struggling with it, maybe they don't necessarily fully understand it or or you feel like they might be getting worse over time, please do consider sharing this video with them. Um, If you're one of our subscribers, do please stay tuned because tomorrow we've got the announcement of that giveaway. It should be really, really awesome. Um, So we'll discuss more details on that tomorrow. But with that being said and all that out the way, if there's nothing else, Lara,
1: have a great afternoon.
0: We will see you guys tomorrow with another live stream we